Hey everybody, just real quick before the show started, uh, this is Steve, and I just wanted to let you know, for all the latest information on our podcast, hit us up on Twitter at EILF Movies, that's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking for incredible art, or maybe gifts for an upcoming uh, birthday, or Father's Day, Mother's Day, anything like that, Christmas, uh, you can check out Izzy's art at untidyvenus.etsy.com. You can also find us on all the uh, podcatchers like Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, Podcast Addict. Uh, basically, Google us, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, on with the show. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last plot holes a gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Michael Bailey Smith grew up as an Air Force brat, traveling the world and graduating from high school in Tehran, Iran. He later served in the renowned 82nd Airborne Division as a paratrooper, uh, played football at Eastern Michigan University with the Dallas Cowboys, became a competitive bodybuilder, and then stumbled upon acting when he accompanied a friend to an audition where he landed the role of Super Freddy, a nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Uh, the acting bug bit Michael, and the rest is history. But ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Smith was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Hey, Michael. Uh, this is Steve, and I'm here with my wife, Izzy, with uh, everything I learned from movies. Hello. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you? Good. Gr- great, great. How's it down in Texas? Good. It's uh, been raining and thundering uh, quite a bit this whole week. Lots of storms and tornadoes and things like that, but uh, where I'm at, it's kind of part of the tornado alley, so oh. quite a bit, so nice. I'm oh. used to it. Where, uh, where are you at in Texas? Uh, a place called Frisco. It's uh, the Excellent, excellent. Well, again, uh, th- thank you for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're huge fans of your work. Uh, did you did you grow up there in like the Frisco area or in Texas? Oh no, not at all. Um, yeah, no, I I was an Air Force brat, so I, I don't really have a hometown, so to so to speak. I was born in Michigan, northern part of Michigan, called Alpena, and then went to college at uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, but I traveled all over the country and finished my high school in the Middle East in Iran. Oh, wow. So this is way back in the 70s, so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of old dude. <laughs> I feel like it's uh, I guess I could be. And uh, I saw that you uh, were in the uh, 82nd Airborne Division as a paratrooper as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Um, I finished my high school in the Middle East, uh, and we actually played some college uh, football. I mean, I college football. We played high school football there. The high school was big enough to have three teams, and then there was a, a community school in in Tehran, Iran, uh, and then there's four teams. So you, we played each other pretty much twice. So you had you know a seven game season, so to speak, and uh, it was pretty good. And uh, so uh, I made the all star team there, and during the all star game, I did some pretty cool stuff. And then one of the coaches at the end of it. Game said that you know, I had the potential to play college football. I've always wanted to do that. I remember in my, I've always wanted to play college football and, and play professional.
play, you know, I had ability to play, you know, college football, so that kind of stuck in my head. And so my, you know, being the oldest of six kids, my parents couldn't, you know, send me to college. And so being in, in Iran, no one's going to scout you. So I figured the best way to get to college is to join the military, get the GI Bill. And uh, so I wanted to do something that was kind of hardcore, so I went in the 82nd Airborne as a paratrooper. And I was there for three years, and I did my, you know, my tour, and I got out, and I walked on at Eastern Michigan, and ventured my freshman year, and then uh, started the next next four years, and became a preseason All-American on my senior year, uh, and then they got hurt my knee, and then I went to the Cowboys, and was in camp with the Dallas Cowboys, and so I hurt my knee again. Oh, nice. That was it. Nice. Uh, and, and and you're a big guy, right? Like six foot five or uh, four. Oh, six four, six four. Six, four. Nice. Well, what uh, what position would you play? Would you like uh, offensive line or? Yes. No. When I uh, uh, yeah, I was offensive lineman. So, but I was still like a linebacker. You know, I, I oh, had nice. probably nine percent body fat. You know, when I graduated, I went to the Cowboys. They missed me. And with nine percent body fat, and I weighed two ninety five. So oh wow, uh, six four. Yeah, I wanted to, when I first started, I, when I first went there, uh, before I got out of the military, um, there was a chaplain in my in my unit who used to place guys into the, into the college. And uh, I, had a, I had a chance to go to Notre Dame. He wanted me to come there. And I, yeah, but then the, the chaplain told me, because he played at Kansas State as an outside linebacker, his name is Chaplain Gimble. And uh, he said he had a better chance to go to a smaller school, still D1 school, but a smaller school. And at the time, I didn't. I know the difference between any kind of college. I just want to play football. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he said probably in a small school you could start right off the bat. And, and so I chose Eastern because it was kind of, you know, where a lot of my relatives were with that. And, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I became all American and, you know, I forgot what, you know, then I ended up with the Cowboys and uh, blew my knee out and then uh, went back, got my degree and then went to California, chased some girl and ended up in San Diego and then, stumbled onto the acting thing by acting so. <laughs> nice we, we've uh, interviewed quite a few people that uh went out to california for a girl and then decided to stay for an acting career which is just a pretty good little story <laughs> yeah. So, yeah it's funny because i i chased this girl she, i went to eastern and she went to michigan she was the aerospace engineering degree mine went to the computer science and so i went to san diego and i got a funky job at xerox and i got into bodybuilding pretty heavily i competed a few times in bodybuilding and did some stuff with that, and then uh, I was meeting her for about a month or two, and then she ended up dumping me. And so I uh, befriended uh, this guy who played Conan up at Universal. He came up there like every week, and he said, "Hey, I have this project for this movie called Nightmare on Elm Street, Part Five, Part Five, playing you know Super Freddy, and uh, <laughs> you know the bigger version of Freddy Krueger. You want to come up? You know, let me audition, and we'll go to Coldstream and Venice Trans. And yeah, cool. So I took the day off from work, went up there, and uh, watched him do his thing and as we were leaving the cast director asked me if I wanted to go and meet the director I said alright I went in and met with them and uh, one thing led to another next thing you know I, I, was, I got the part so pretty crazy excellent and then uh, the next you know then a, a couple weeks later I'm in the trailer with Robert England and uh, teach me how you know talk, tell me about you know Freddy Krueger I'd seen the movie before of course but uh, that was about it but to meet him and kind of talk to him but then when I got on the set and just I was pretty uh, pretty nervous, <laughs> as you could say. I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and you know, I kind of you know, basically I had no acting, you know, skills at all. But I was big, and they gave me a few lines and said those, and, and 
did pretty well. And the, kind of crazy that in that movie, there's a scene that no one knows that I did. It's the opening scene uh, on Nightmare on Elm Street. It's called Dream Child, and uh, Freddy comes back through the lead, uh, the, the gal, the lead lady, leading lady. The baby she gets pregnant it's through the baby that the Freddy Krueger comes back through, and so you get her to get pregnant. There has to be a love scene, and so at the beginning of the film, when the credits are rolling, there's people making out or making love, and one of them is me. Nice. So I got I got to roll around the body double gal, and I'm like, wow, this is Hollywood. I'm getting paid for this. All right, I like it. Let's do it. So. Sounds like a hell of a first yeah. gig, a love scene, and you're like the the title character, essentially, you know, the iconic uh, horror character. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed the whole experience, you know, of everything, so it was good. And then when I did that, I'm like, okay, so I want to do. And so I uh, moved up to Los Angeles, got like a crappy apartment um, with some weird dude, slept in the back room on the floor with the mattress, and... Uh, just like it was like in college or something like that, you know, and <laughs> and, uh, and I got a, a job at a, instead of waiting tables, I got a job at a test laboratory uh, testing computer products and, I mean, uh, consumer products, uh, kind of put my degree to work a little bit, writing code and things like that, but there was, there was a contractor, so they let me off and I could go off and do auditions or whatever, but I spent all of my money on acting classes. I took scene study and cold reading and improv and theater. I did everything possible to so I can handle myself as an actor and then I studied for about two years hard really really hard um, did about four or five classes a night like going to college you know, all over again Yeah. and uh, and just networked and I got a, a manager I got an agent that's I got an agent and uh, then I just started booking jobs and uh, the next job I got was oh it was a movie called CIA Codename Alexa no that was it yeah CIA Codename Alexa and I was with uh, Kathleen Kenmont, Lorenzo Lamas, and O.J. Simpson. This is right before he killed his wife. So it was kind of oh, wow. <laughs> so I did that, and I was just supposed to do a fight scene. And so this is back when I used to do these films called PM Entertainment Films. And uh, they're like low budget, the direct, direct video. And I was doing a fight scene, and the director goes, hey, just say this, you know, whatever. So I said this, he goes, hey, that's pretty good. Next thing you know, they started writing me dialogue, and I had to fourth lead in the film. So I went from being a doing a fight scene of course in the film I'm like I, I really love this I love the, the acting thing I love everything about it and, uh, and I got to care, you know, take a character and carry, carry them all the way through the film and, and I did another TV show called uh, Renegade Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas again yeah. and, uh, and then right after that in the middle of, you know, that, in the middle of doing that I, I, they want me to come up to back I was doing this filming in San Diego and they want me to come up back up to Los Angeles to audition for this movie called uh, The Fantastic Four yeah. the Roger Corman version, the one that was shelved, and now it's like a cult classic and made copy from every yeah every uh, comic book uh, store or at the convention things like that. So I did that and ended up reading for that, ended up getting the role of Ben Grimm. Thing, so yeah, we actually just talked with uh, um, Oli Sasson uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, we were asking yeah. him about it because yeah, it's just an incredible story. How I mean, I mean the movie. I mean it's not. Uh, we obviously have a version of it because uh, we love comic book movies and all that. But like it, it's rough, you know, just because it's not you know the final special effects and everything added. But it's it's great, like the performance and everything's there. It's the best version. Well, yeah, definitely the best version so far. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I think if like Paul Oli would say the same thing that if we had a little money, especially on the visual effects side, we could have made it 
Grant, you know, for me, I'm not I'm not searching for any compliments here when I say this, but I I, oh. I did okay. You know, I, oh, I did. I, I'm pretty critical of myself and went up as an actor. So uh, there's only a few roles that I've done that I've been actually with. Of all the work I've done, so in the 25 years I've done, yeah, I've always been like a little critical of myself. So um, no, it was a great experience Got to meet some great people, and you know, again, it was one of these roles where I could carry the, you know the character all the way through from beginning to end. It was kind of nice and had a lot of emotion. It was. And Ben was Ben Grimm's a lot like I am a little bit, you know, just this big dude and sometimes misunderstood, and uh, and that's kind of how he was. So it was, it was cool. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, also, I noticed around that time, um, one of our favorite shows of all time is uh, The Rockford Files, and you were in one of the the TV movies, the I Still Love L.A. How was uh How was it like working on that set with James Garner? Oh, well, James Garner, you know, he's a legend, right? So yeah. it's really cool. You know, it's kind of funny though. Um, every show you work on, you learn a little bit. You know, it's always a learning experience, especially when you get to work with people that have been so seasoned, you know, just so professional like he was. There was a scene, like he had the trailer, right, that he lived in that's supposed to be on the beach. Yeah. So I have a couple of funny stories for that one. But for the, so this one trailer thing, you know, I, I, we, we snatch him out of the trailer and we're taking him to the car. We're going to throw him and this, and this other lady in the trunk. And so as, as, I, as I'm walking with him out to the car, I'm, I'm blocking his light. And he, like, push, takes his arm and goes, he pushes me back, goes, you're blocking my light, son. You know, so... <laughs> So then, uh, after uh, after Fantastic Four, uh, I mean, you were just in a, a, a lot of famous TV shows, like everything from like Babylon Five to Murphy Brown, uh, yeah. like Star Trek Voyager, Drew Carey show. Uh, what, yeah. what? How how did that all come about? Was it just kind of uh, 
big guy for hire or were you like actively pursuing a bunch of them? No, but so, you know, how it works out is, you know, especially when you start out, a lot of times you take, you take what you can get, right? You, especially when you start out, you have no, you don't, I don't think I've ever turned in, I only turned on a couple roles in my whole, my whole career. Uh, you know, I, the first one I started, I wanted to be like Hollywood's new leading man situation, right? And then, you know, when that, that, but I just started working and working and just became a working actor is what I became. And I had the hair and whatever, and I knew that I wanted to do this business right, you know, and work that I had to play because I had to be a bad guy, right? So, you know, there was Schwarzenegger running around, but there was nobody else and not really. And Ike the Rock is kind of like, 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 uh, you know, like what Schwarzenegger's done. The Rock is like turning, you know, like a big guy. You don't really look at his muscles anymore. Yeah, he's a big dude, but he's just a guy, right? Back in the day, uh, back in the 90s, you know, big guys play bad guys. And so that's, I said, hey, if I want to work, that's what I got to do. So I either slicked my, I slicked my hair back, and I went to audition. I auditions. And the, the, the key thing about it that I did that was, that really made, helped me be successful, is that no of when they audition, they may, they may get like one out of, I don't know, 50 auditions they might win, or, or whatever the average is. Not, not very good. But what I used to do is, I would go to an acting coach, or I'd go to one of my friends who was an acting coach, and I would work the scenes really hard and work the, the whole thing the character before I go to the audition. So I come in an audition hot. I would leave right from that from working the scene to the audition, and I nailed probably out of ten, I probably nailed probably six or seven. Okay. I would get so I worked all the time, and I just I took whatever I could get, you know, just to work and to build my name, build my recognition, and uh, name value. Uh, and that's, and that's how I got these other roles. So I went in, and plus, you know, I could, you know, I think I was a pretty good actor. I wasn't a great, great, great actor, but I was a pretty actor. I think some roles, I, I think I really kicked ass on. I was, they just really fit like a glove, and it's really good. But, but that's kind of what happened. You know, like Murphy Brown and Wings and Between Brothers and the, you know, the whole list of different types of movies, uh, TV shows that I did. It's kind of funny because I, I went through like a, as you're doing this career. You do, like, for me, like, you're right, I did, like, Silk Stockings and Fantastic Four, that it was called Ice, and then Cyborg 3, uh, that's a crazy, crazy thing, yeah, so, um, <laughs> I did, like, a mixture of movies and, and TV shows, sometimes I'd go, like, a few months where I'd do a bunch of TV shows, and I'd do a couple movies, and, and then sometimes I'd do a bunch of movies and a few TV shows, so it kind of, kind of went in cycles a little bit. Yeah. Oh, so you mentioned Cyborg Three. Uh, what was it like working with like Richard Lynch and Malcolm McDowell? And I think was oh, Kate, was Kato Kalin in that movie too? I I watched it like two years ago, so it's been a while. But <laughs> yeah, he was. I remember that. I remember that. So uh, yeah, I think it was it was before OJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, maybe it was an after. I can't remember. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a crazy thing. It was funny because when I I got married in nineteen ninety three ninety four. Uh, we got married in Vegas because it's because it's centrally located. Like all my friends and relatives who come to Vegas and party at the same time, we got married on July second, and that was during the OJ OJ Simpson trial. So that was oh. quite interesting. So good experience on that set working with uh, all them, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's pretty much how it's been the whole time. There's only been a few instances where I've had I've had like butted heads with other actors, never with a director or a producer. I've seen actors. Totally, you know, go at it, you know, with a producer, get face to face, screaming at them. They both call each other, you know, names and bad things and whatever. And it's like, I don't know how you can do that. Like, you know, 
right now, um, you know, I, I have a job where it requires me to uh, fly around. I, I fly probably 50%, 60% of the time. You always hear these stories on, on the airlines where passengers are living out on stewards or flight attendants, and I never see that hardly ever. But yeah, but it's, but it's always the one time in a couple of weeks, and it kind of sticks out. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Hmm. No, but I had some good times. Like uh, Cage Two was a movie I did. I did a, um, I played a sample fighter, and uh, I tried to fight against Luke Brignell. And I know Luke Brignell, so um, he was afraid I was going to hurt him. I'm like, dude, really? You're like <laughs> freaking huge. So I was a big dude, but he just, you know, he's a different type of huge. And yeah, the, when I did a, I did a movie called Best of the Best Three, yeah, so the Best of the Best series. Uh, uh, the third one was shot in two two areas. Shot in a low part of Indiana called Bedford, Indiana. That's where the the Ku Klux Klan started. Actually, the dra- the Grand Dragon, I guess, of the Ku Klux Klan. He was born and raised there, and that's kind of how a lot of that started. Yeah. That area, and it's pretty, it's crazy. But that area at the time, hopefully, it's changed. It's it was. Straight up hardcore racist. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I remember me and my me and a, a, a crew guy. We were going to go to the gym, and we walked into the gym, and the guy behind the counter goes, "I can let you in, but that that black boy's not coming in here." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I, I couldn't believe this guy said that. And then and then uh, we you know we got a little pissed off at that. And then uh, we were doing the scene uh, in the best of the best. Film. It's, it's, a, it's one where um, it's got some great like Arlie Ermey's in it which is he's phenomenal oh yeah uh, yeah he's great and uh, another guy named uh, his name is Mark Walston what a great actor he's done he's done some really great stuff and just hang I got to hang out with him like the whole time we're there for like two months or three months or whatever it is in Indiana and then in Ohio as well we shot and the southern parts and there was this part where this rock quarry area they had all this the Aryan Brotherhood, everybody's white, white supremacist dudes, uh, white nation, you know what to call it. And I was like the, of course, right hand man, the you know the lead bad guy, Mark Walston. And and then we kill this this black creature. And after we do it, everybody's around this rock quarry, and there's like you know like green water at the bottom of the rock quarry. And Mark Walston goes, "What say you?" Everybody goes, "White power." What say you? I'm like holy crap, it just felt so real. And they called lunch after that. And so I had, like, white power tattoos on me and things like that. So I'm walking out to lunch, and some of these local extra guys were the real deal. And they're walking up to me and going, hey, man, I'm with you. White power, man. I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. I'm just an actor. <laughs> like, I, I, you have, like, a little name tag that says actor. Like, no, no, it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, a gig. It's a gig. Crazy, <laughs> Calm yeah. down. That's pretty crazy. That's happened to me a couple times. I did a I did a movie in Las Vegas, uh, outside Las Vegas, called Undisputed with Bing Graham's Wealthy Snipes. Yeah. And I played the Aryan Brotherhood gang leader in that. Yeah, it was a pretty tough film. We shot that at actually prison, an actual prison. But they put us up at the Caesar's Palace, you know, the whole, the whole cast there. And that was okay, but the only thing is I had swastikas and Aryan Brotherhood stuff all over me. So I couldn't, you know, I had to cover everything up. I, and uh, I had uh, was working out of the gym like about a mile away from the casino, uh, I walk, would walk there on my days off and uh, train. And it was hot one, it was really hot one time at the gym and I pulled my beanie off and my swastika on the back of my head was showing, you know, and so I put my forehead, put it back on, but someone saw it and they called the cops and I walked outside to Vegas PD, uh cops, cars pulled up, threw me against the hood, hooked me up. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're, we're, 
take their club and jam it in my kidneys and was saying, screaming at me, what school do you go to? I'm thinking, uh, Eastern Michigan? No, asshole. Like, what prison? So I didn't know school meant prison. And uh, anyway, they kind of threatened me to cover my stuff up, and I told them I was an actor. This is, you know, it's funny because the next day, I had to scrape off one of my tattoos on my hand that said AB on it to show the, the cops that I wasn't the real thing. And then so I went to the next day on the set, the makeup artist going, what happened to your hand? So I told her the story. Then later on, uh, the director... Uh, Walter Hill. He comes up to me. Yeah, Walter Hill. He comes up to me and he goes, Hey, Michael, so I hear you ran a little bit of trouble downtown. I go, Yeah. I said, I almost got arrested. And he goes, You know, that's good casting. I said, Really? <laughs> 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 I almost got arrested. So, anyway. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Undisputed is like one of my. One of my favorites, just, uh, you know, it, it is definitely a guy movie, but it's, yeah, Wesley Snipes, Ving Rhames, Prison Fights. Yeah. Uh, how, how was that working like with, with Walter Hill also? Uh, see, he directed like uh, uh, The Warriors and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, he's legendary. Yeah. He's really cool. You know, most black people set in these higher chairs, like the director chairs, he set in like a really low one. He's a really like a, you know, cool, you know, calm, casual dude, you know, just kind of low-key, you know, Nobody wants. You know, it's like sending. I, I worked on. I did the second. I did the first Hills of Eyes, and when I did the second Hills of Eyes. They they didn't carry continue with the the same director. So when he went back to the United States to back to Hollywood to do some pickups, we originally shot that in in Morocco. And so we had to shoot do the pickups in uh, in Los Angeles at the stage. And so Wes Craven got to to direct that. And man. Being directed by someone like him is just like, you know, you just really, you can really, I've been, I've been directed by, by some really phenomenal directors and just, they don't give you line readings, they just like give you a little word and also just switch you and they, oh, okay, exactly, and you go nail it, you know, it's really, really good stuff, so, that's cool. Nice, yeah, and with the, the Hills Have Eyes and like a lot of, uh, other shows you um, oftentimes have a lot of like the the prosthetics and makeup and stuff like that. How how's it working un, under like all those conditions? It's funny because when I started doing things like that, my mom would call me and go, "You have such a nice face. Why is he covered up?" I said, "Because I'm <laughs> six foot four and two hundred and ninety pounds. That's the reason why." But um, <laughs> no, it's it's the uh, you know the thing is you know I've seen other actors who all they do was complain about it, you know, and that. They just complained, the bitch, they screamed at the producer. And I'm like, dude, you signed up for this. You knew what you're getting into, and that's, that's the thing. Is it is it fun? Yeah, you know, I'd rather do without it, but it's part of the character. I and mean, once, once you get into it, like, like for instance, like the Pluto character of the Hills of Eyes, man, you know, I could see all out of one eye, and that's it. Yeah. And and so uh, that was a little bit scary when I do that big, big fight scene in the house. That one eye, and perception-wise, depth perception is kind of lost. But it, it's kind of cool because you're in your own world. You really can't communicate with it. You can, but you don't really, you know, I said there, you know, BSing with other actors. You're off on your own. You're kind of, you know, you're kind of cocooned in the, in the prosthetics. And so I was very fortunate because some actors have a tough time with their skin. Their skin breaks out or whatever. But mine, I, I have, I guess, pretty resilient skin. I never got bothered by it. So and, and like the guys at KMB did that make effects for, that they always said I have a good face for prosthetics. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you you were made <laughs> for this stuff, sir. <laughs> it's like, it's like having a voice for radio. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I agree. 
and I also noticed you were in uh, in the movie In Hell with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, how, yeah, we shot, we shot that in Bulgaria. That was that was cool. I mean, that that was a lot of hard work. That was probably one of the, the films I worked the hardest on. I get the most beat up. So you know, I played you know years you know football, both in college, a little bit especially, and my knees are just trash. So I have really bad knees, and so I had to do like three major fight scenes in that film. The last one was with uh, Van Damme, and that one to film that that lasted. We had to film that. It took over a week to film that. Oh, wow. Just crazy. I mean, over and over and over again, these fights, you know, segments of fights and just everything. The rehearsals beforehand and, and all that. And, uh, yeah, I got I got pretty beat up. I got the head split open. Um, I had to go to the a Bulgarian hospital, which was quite mm-hmm. interesting. There was, like, dead people in the hallway with the, with the sheets covered over. Cause it was an ex-Soviet Union. It got to be a Soviet Union country. Yeah. And, you know, and so uh, with that and <laughs> I get just I can tell you some stories about that. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> and when I, when I, so what happened was that there was an actor, I was, there was this, this young actor who played the, the young guy in the film, and I'm supposed and so, Von Damme won't fight. And so, to get him to fight, me, the, the, the head guys are going to put big bets on the guy. They brought me in from another prison, from like Siberia or whatever, to beat this guy, beat Von Damme. And Von Damme refuses to fight. And so, get him to fight me, they put me in his best friend's cell. And my goal was to go and basically rape this guy. So they put me in the cell, and we're doing rehearsal, and this young guy is beating the living crap out of me. He's hitting me in the balls, he's punching me in the face. I'm like, dude, I said, this is movie acting, we're not doing this. If you really want to lie, let me know. I said, but this is not what we're supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be, you know, whatever, pull your punches and whatever. So he kept doing it. And so... During the full take, during the fight, I was, you know, he hits me, hits me, I hit him, whatever. I pick him up and I slam him down on top of this bunk. You can see it in the film. And when I slam him down the bunk, uh, and this bunk was like the, 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 the poles of the bunk, they were poles, they were like angle iron, they were just tack welded to the bed spring. There was no, there was no, yeah, to the bed spring. So when I picked up and slammed him down the bunk, one of those poles, the angle iron, came down and hit me in the head. I mean, this is during the live take, right? So during the actual take, and there's blood everywhere. And so I'm punching this guy. You know, I'm, I'm pulling my punch. I'm not really punching him, but there's blood everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, man, I am in so much trouble because I just made this guy bleed. And they come to find out it was my blood. And when I turned, there was, like, blood all over my face, and one of the ADs passed out. And so they took me to this uh, Bulgarian hospital. So we're sitting there. I'm with the... the the lay of the, the gal that she speaks, her, her name was Stasi, I think was her name, and she uh, speak, she goes, spoke uh, both English very well as well as Bulgarian, and she was there, and she goes, she was, the nurse came in, the nurse came in smoking a cigarette. Like, <laughs> smoking a cigarette, and she's like, and she's speaking Bulgarian to you know, Stasi, and I'm looking over at this, at this I'm sitting on a, a gurney in the whatever, in the, the, the doctor's room, it's literally just plywood with a sheet over the top of it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I look over and I see a, literally a small Sprite bottle with a liquor spigot, you know, liquor, liquor, liquor bottle spigot taped to the top of it. And then it's sort of a kind of brown bottle with some kind of weird spigot. I'm like, I hope they are not going to use it on me. So I quickly <laughs> take my camera, my phone, and I take a picture of my head. And I'm, I, I'm going to send it to my wife just in case. I ended up dying of some kind of gangrene or something like that in Bulgaria. And so later on, so the nurse tells 
Ozzy that the, the doctor is, is eating lunch and he'll be he'll, he's coming you know he was notified and he's coming he's coming as soon as possible so I look out the window and I see this guy bow legged doctor guy kind of running down the street towards his office you know towards the hospital and he gets he comes to the office and he's going hey my girl you're my girl huh so I knew about that kick your ass huh? <laughs> See, that was a uh, that was directed by Ringo Lamb, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Say, I don't think I've seen it in Hell, but I've seen like the other four Jean Claude Ringo Lamb collaborations, and they're all amazing. So we're definitely have to watch that one yeah. soon. Yeah, I should do that. Pretty cool. Speaking of stunt coordinators, um, I, on your IMDb page, you were the stunt coordinator for a, a short film called Pillow Talk. What well, what exactly does that entail? I don't know. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> sometimes I'll do stuff for people you know they ask me to come in and do this whatever so I did yeah I'm not a stunt coordinator so nice. yeah I, I was just curious because it was like the one movie and it was like pillow talk and it's about like a relationship I'm like what stunts are involved with that yeah, now I know, I know. <laughs> yeah gets a little so, more intense no I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah, it's funny uh, there's a film on my credit it's for uh, where is it I'm looking at it to myself uh, it's funny you know, I've been looking, like, for this call, I've been looking through, like, wow, I did that film? I, something that I forgot I did. Or the character, some of it, you know? <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but uh, I was going to say, there's one film, you find it. Uh, oh, um, so Chain Letter. So Chain Letter, I played the lead back that course in it. And uh, I made a big mistake in this film. So um, so, the, so the stunt coordinator was a guy, it's a guy named Carl Cefalio. Carl Cefalio is actually the guy who was in the thing suit in the original Fantastic Four. He and I are really good friends. I just saw him in Vegas a few weeks ago. Really good guy. Uh, good friend. And uh, so he's a stunt coordinator. And then I, I have a stunt double that I use a lot. His name is uh, Tim Sitar, so they nicknamed his Bubba. He's really a famous and well-known stunt guy. He looks a lot like me. I mean, he's probably better looking than I am, but uh, he's, a, he's a big dude. He played college football, too. He's a good, real nice guy. And uh, I got him on about three or four of my uh, movies, five of my movies, which is really cool. And how I met him is that when I did Charm for two years, he was, he was my stunt double in Charm. Anyway, and so on Chain Letter, um, there was a part, at the, right where the 
film started, it was all night shoots at the beginning, and I had to pick this, this guy up. I killed this one guy in the gym, and I pick him up. I'm supposed to pick him up with two hands, right, and throw him. And so the thing is, I'm like, I can do this with one hand. I said, how cool would it be for me to pick this guy up with one hand and toss him? And so early in the day, probably in the afternoon, I had been to the gym, and I just was, I was curling like 80-pound dumbbells or whatever, you know, just really super strong. And just curling whatever, you know, getting all pumped up and stuff. Well, of course, that weekend, my, you know, black caps, tendons and everything. And so that night when I'm uh, doing this film, I, I snatched this guy. And Carl said, use both hands. I'm like, no, I can do it with one hand. All right. So I picked him up with one arm, got him in the air, and my bicep snapped completely off my bone. So uh, I did the rest of that film with a torn bicep. And I, when that happened, I see Carl could hear a pop, and I could feel it, of course. And, and uh, it hurt quite a bit. And I turned to Carl, and I said, he goes, did you just tear your bicep? I go, yep. I said, if you tell me, buddy, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> this, this is one of those films where they actually paid me like a, they paid me a bonus before I do the film just to give me to do the film. But I just come off the hills of ice, and so hills of ice two or one, I forgot what it was. And so I, they just gave me this role because of what I did. They wanted me in the film, so they paid me a whole crap load of money to come do this, and I wasn't gonna like have to pay it back. So I just did the rest of this film like I think next like four or five weeks. I did the whole film, all the action, all everything with the torn bicep. I went as a makeup artist because what happens when you tell your bicep it actually the tendon below oh. your elbow to the joint, and so yeah, it goes up like a it, like a curtain basically. Like yeah, so my bicep, my bicep so big at the time, it didn't really show that it was like you know it roll up that much, and so but with the makeup, I went as a makeup artist. They went and this bleeds internally for a while, right? So I had like all this blood draining down on my hand. They just used makeup to cover that all up. And I got it fixed about five weeks, five or six weeks later. Actually, the, the tendon, the tendon of my bicep snapped so hard it was it attached to my shoulder, oh. my shoulder. So, yeah, I was awake when they did the operation. So, um, I could see it on a monitor and like hear the doctor go, "Oh, oh no, well, that's not right." I go, "Hey, doc, can you quit making the comments, please? I appreciate that." So, <laughs> oh, but and it's funny because I was in a, I got it fixed and I was in a cast and then I had to, I did a movie right after that called. Uh, bloodshot. So um, this is when I was going to star in this film, and I played a vampire, which is CIA. Uh, you, you might find it on uh, YouTube. Uh, it was supposed to come out. A lot of, a lot of issues with it. Some bad, bad decisions were being made. But it's, it's got a great story. The director was really talented, and he was a, he's a writer as well. Um, name is Dietrich Johnson, I think. Is yeah. And so, but really talented. It's just that uh, this thing's got screwed up with money and stuff, but. I had, to, I had to get a physical done because I was a lead, so they had to have, every time you do a uh, big film, that there's people from the insurance, people have to come, movie insurance, come and make sure you're in physical, good physical shape. Well, I had a cast on my arm, so it was kind of chilly during that time, so I wore my jacket and just covered up my one arm with that jacket, and the person that was given the physical never checked my other arm. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Is that crazy or what? So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I, those, those physicals are pretty useless, so they really don't check you. More of an interview, but anyway. <laughs> it's just more of a, okay. if, if you're able to answer your medical questions, then it's like, all right, they're good yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. I'm convinced they're good to act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, and you had mentioned uh, being on Charm there for, you said for two seasons as Balthazar? Yeah. Yeah, I did about 
episodes. I did, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not 30. I did 16, 17 episodes, something like that, I don't know. Yeah, that, how, that, how I got that, I was actually doing a guest star role on it for playing this character, at least called Grimlock. And throughout the whole filming, I was with another guy, too, who was the other Grimlock, there's two of us. Throughout the whole filming, they kept, people kept coming up, and he goes, man, you're doing a really great job. And, you know, you hear that on the set, and you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, you were, you're polite, you say, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. But in, head, in your head, you got it, like, you know, whatever. You say that to all the girls, you know. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? But, uh, you know, you just want to let it go to your head. And uh, by the end of the show, it was like the last day, my manager calls me and says, hey, uh, they want you back. And I said, oh, cool. I said, uh, it's Jandor, but I died at the end. There was no other <laughs> character. I guess they hired some other person that's not working out and they want to replace him with you. I'm like, uh, okay, cool. So the next week I was on the set doing Belpazor. So uh, it was cool. And, and it's funny, I have uh, I have an action figure. I have three. I have three. Oh. Two, two action figures, I think. I have one from uh, that one. I have uh, Charm and from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Five. Oh, I think yeah, I have one more, yeah. I can't think of it right now. So, uh, and I also have like four or five people right now walking around on the planet, on this planet with tattoos of me on their body. So, uh, <laughs> either charm tattoos or the hills of eyes, Pluto character. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So that's that's first more, time more I, than I've got. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, the, the first time I the first time I heard that, the first time I saw that, I was I remember I was signing autographs. I don't know where it was at, somewhere like Kentucky or something like that. Rock and roll tattoo or something like that. I don't know what when it was. And this guy walks up to me and goes, "Hey, man." You know, I, I'm the biggest fan. I said, oh, cool, man, thanks, I appreciate that. He goes, no, no, you understand, man, I am, no, I am really your biggest fan. I said, all right. I said, no, no, you understand, man, I'm, like, huge. I'm, like, all right, all right, cool. And I was already say, uh, you know, me, step away. He goes, no, oh, no, I want to show you something, man. I said, no, wait a minute, I don't want to see nothing weird. <laughs> and he just pulls up his shirt, and there's a huge, huge tattoo of, of me as Pluto, you know, uh, tattooed on, his, on the side of his chest. So you at least got to take a picture with them and stuff, you know, a little, little, little selfie with yeah. you and Pluto. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Nice. So are, are you, do you go to a lot of, like, uh, conventions and stuff like that now, or? No, I, I stopped. I've done one in probably four or five years. I don't know, I don't know for me, it's just, I don't know, uh, I'd rather give my autograph away than to hurt somebody for it. I just need that to be, it just started getting weird to me. I, I, I'm all for anybody, you know, going and doing that, you know, but uh, just uh, just for me. So yeah. it's my thing. I, you know, hold that against anybody else. But I did it for a while. I got kind of tired of it. Yeah. So. And, and you see sometimes with some of these shows, some of the other people and celebrities, they get a little weird things like that. It's kind of crazy. So. But I, I kind of, yeah, it's, it's cool, though. Well, you meet a lot of great people. And uh, I got to meet some... I've gotten autographs from people, so it's been kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, yeah. are, are there any other like uh, dream projects or current projects you're working on? Or, um, so I, I don't know, if you know, but I've kind of I've stepped away from acting, so I haven't done oh, anything okay. like I haven't been hardcore at it since 2014. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I yes, I noticed it had been a few years, but I didn't know if it was. It, you you mentioned your other job where you're traveling and stuff too, so I didn't know if it yeah. was. So, you know, when I was working, 
and, and so the test laboratory called NTS, I was there for 25 years as long as I was an actor. It was great because they let me go out and do movies and things like that. But in, in 2014, I did quite a bit of work. I worked on a pilot called, an Amazon pilot called Cop. It was about some gun manufacturers and they were selling guns. It was pretty cool. I had a great role in that. And, and as a recurring character, but never got picked up. And, you know, I did, I did a movie, a couple movies, and a Christian film, and a bunch of different films and TV shows and, and all that stuff. But I wasn't, I wasn't excited about it as I sh- should be. And I was working on a show called Blackish. And it was in, uh, you know, I had a guest star role on it, and uh, I beat out probably 40 other guys, you know, for this role. And I'm sitting, on the, I'm sitting there on the set in my chair, and I'm looking around, playing the same character I played a billion times before, and started questioning, you know, I'm getting older, I'm in my 50s, and I'm thinking, you know, is this what my life's going to be? Is this what it's going to be up, wrapped up to? Is this? And, you know, I've been, I've been writing quite a bit, uh, screenplays and things like that, so I'm like, you know, I don't know if I, I want to continue to do this. And so... I called my wife, and I called my wife, I was in the trailer, and I said, hey, remember last summer we went to Dallas, and you know, visited my sister, who, who had moved away since then, and we, we went to, flew into Dallas, and we drove down to San Antonio, and we see them, and drove back, and, and uh, I said, you know, I, you know, I did a couple films in this area, too, in Dallas, I said, I really like this, I said, what do you think about us moving here? And she's not bugging me to want to move anywhere, she's a California girl, she's the one to move, and so... Uh, she said, Are you okay with that? I said, yeah, let's do it. And so the next day after I finished the show, um, I called my agents and managers and said, I'm done. And it would kind of put the, it kind of put the, the whole thing to, that my manager had said, hey, I got so much audition for you. I drove, I lived in uh, Santa Clarita at the time, which is a little bit north of Los Angeles. I drove like basically an hour and a half through LA traffic to get to um, this commercial audition, which is down in Santa Monica Boulevard. On Ocean Boulevard, I went there and auditioned. I drove an hour and a half to get there, and I went. All I did was have me play to say, "Hey, my, my name is Michael Billy Smith." And then, okay, thanks a lot. That was it. And I'm like, is this really? "Okay, I'm done. I'm just done. I can't. I'm not doing this anymore." And so, uh, I told my managers and agents. I told everybody they were kind of pissed because I was like the biggest money maker. But I'm done. I, I want to do something different. So, I my last show was in December of 2014. And then I told my work that I was going to quit too. And I got another job. I got a job at a company called Osram, Slovenia, a lighting company. And it's, uh, they do connected lighting, like I've heard of like Philips Hue and things like that. And so, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's something like that. But uh, it's called Lightify. So I did that for a year with them. And uh, then I left for, now I work for a Chinese company. It's kind of crazy. So I, and, uh, and I head up all of, development for North America for this company and I've built it from zero to about almost 200 million in less than three years so oh wow congratulations yeah, so, you know that's one thing I what, what's the, the title of your of your podcast is quite interesting you know yeah and, exactly <laughs> we like to think so yeah I, I was just going to ask with our our name of our podcast being everything I learned from movies the kind of the point of these interviews we always end it with yeah, you know, what what have you learned from movies, like either in the industry or you know through your life with it, and what would you like to pass yeah. along? It sounds like you got some great well, stuff. You know, through my whole life, it, you can 
probably tell, I've been very, very fortunate. People have told me, you know, wow, you're, you're an overachiever. I said, well, I don't think that's really the word to use. It's just, it's just I've just lived a life. And, and I've lived a life that I don't take no for an answer. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't accept anything but the best as towards my best effort. Um, you know, and if I, you know, if I fail at something or if I can't accomplish something, it's never a fail it's that I've learned from that. You know, I have I either I either win or I learn. There's no failure from it. So if I if I don't like the say that I do I don't accomplish something, I sit back, figure out what I did wrong, and then I come back even harder and accomplish it. That's been like you know, that my first audition was a commercial audition. I remember the lady saying, Hey, uh, do you have a, a day job? I go, Yeah, I do and she goes, That's great. You know what? You should really keep that job. And I walked out, I'm so naive, I walked out going, wow, she was kind of, wait a minute, she just insulted me, what's up? And I was pissed. And so, I've, I've always done that. Same thing with football, I walked on at Eastern Michigan. Yeah. You know, being a walk-on at a Division One school, they treat you like crap, right? You know, they give, but I, I can hit you, I will, I will put my head through your chest in two seconds. I didn't care, that's the one thing I could do, and I just learned the game of football. I had played like in three years, almost four years. You know, I went from being a guy who was scared of heights to being a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. Um, I went, you know, from being this skinny kid to being a bodybuilder who went around his guest posing appearances throughout the country. And then I was afraid of being getting in front of talking to, you know, talking to people, becoming an actor, and working with guys like Charles and Henson and you know all these big actors and and, and holding my weight with them. And then coming up to me and telling me, "Hey, great job, man! You know, you're you're, you're really good." I'm like, "Well, thanks." You know, whatever. So it, and it just it just proves that with a lot of hard work and determination that you can really accomplish anything if you really work your heart, you know, work your mind to it. Like my my older son right now is an airborne ranger. He's in the 75th Ranger Regiment, so he's a special operations guy. And uh, he's 21 years old, um, good-looking guy. He was a guy who and he. He did something, you know, he's always wanted to be a ranger. You know, like, he wanted to do that when he was a kid. But we kind of forced him to go to college, and he was playing, actually, college football as a quarterback. Right. And, but he, he left that, and he said, Dad, I really want to be a ranger. And that's what he's doing. And it, only 30% graduate from this, it's called RAF, the Ranger Assessment and Selection Program. So he's, he's one of the rare, rare guys to be able to do something like that. And my younger son, you know, I'm teaching him the same things about hard work. He has the ability to play college football. Um, he's really, really talented. But he needs to work his ass off to get there. There's no more, the days of just showing up and playing are over. You have to put in a lot of extra work. And that's what, that's in life in general. You want, like, I'm not, I'm not, I will not disparage anyone who has a game on their phone or on the computer, but you will not find a game on my phone or on my computer. And when I'm not working, I am I am creating. I'm I'm writing. I just finished the screenplay. It's probably one of my best ones. I've written about ten of them. This one I just, I just finished called Black Moth. It's really it's a it's a great it's a great film. I submitted to a bunch of film uh, film festivals. I have some producers looking at it now, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this sucker made. So it's really really good. It's a good story about uh, the underlying theme is you know trying to answer the always the impossible question to answer is why do bad things happen to good people? You know? And so um, it's about that. And it's wrapped around a, a detective who is searching the night to find the killer that killed her daughter. So, um, so it's kind of cool. It's, it's got a great strong female lead in it and uh, yeah, it's really good. It has a little bit of 
some religious things to it. There's an Antichrist in there. <laughs> That's some good stuff. Oh. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a story that goes nine miles an hour from page one to you know till the end. Nice. Cool. But that's, that's what I do. I spend a lot of time on the plane, and I'm writing stories. And I love it. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, is there anywhere we can follow you on, like, social media to keep tabs on when this is adapted to a movie and stuff? Or, or, uh, or do you deal with that at all? I, I do have a Twitter thing. It's called Lily Bahu. I'm at something at Lily Bahu. And that's M I L I B A H U. So it's the first two letters of my. My name, my wife's name, my older son's name, my younger son's name. So nice. That's on Twitter, and then uh, yeah, and then I, then my my face, my Facebook page is still there. My website I updated down because I need to update it. It's really bad. So, but yeah, right. so that's what it is. And then uh, good stuff. And then I just did a film this last summer. Actually, I had a director call me out of the blue and said, "Hey, remember that film you auditioned for like ten years ago?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, well, I just got the money for it. Let's do it. So, oh, nice. And last summer, now it's it's out. Um, and it's at the film festival. It's a film short. Got some great people. I got J.R. J.R. Bourne, which is a great actor. He's in it. And then I play opposite of him. And it's at the film festivals right now. It's doing really well. So it's called Miracle Visit. Excellent. Well, Mr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and best of luck to you with, with your business. And uh, it sounds like your wonderful children becoming Rangers and football players and everything. <laughs> I mean. Again, uh, man, it's, it's all, you know, it's like, it's like anything, right? Accomplish anything you want to set your mind to it. So I figure out a game plan, just go for it, man. Yeah. Go for it. Don't take no for an answer. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. We we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. you're, you're welcome back anytime you'd like to join us. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. You got my number. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Have a great evening. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Thank you. All right. All right have a good night. Bye. Right? Oh my gosh, that oh my was amazing! So many good stories, <laughs> Rockford. Yeah, yes, right. And I was yeah. going through the IMDb, and I'm like, "That's where I've seen him from." He was in that TV movie with <laughs> Rockford, I, and I know exactly which scene he was yep. talking about too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he's describing, it, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, no, it's real people, not stunt doubles. Go on, though. <laughs> well, we'll have yeah. to we'll have to call him him back and talk about that because he said he had a bunch of stories from that shoot and yeah. I want to know all of them. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, uh, incredible guy. Uh, again, Michael Bailey Smith. Which, uh, we gotta watch in hell. That's That sounds like my kind of movie. Right? Uh, <laughs> oh, this Jean-Claude Van... Jean-Claude Van Damme again? <laughs> that's right. Je- <laughs> yeah. Jean-Claude Van January. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely follow him at Millie Bahu. M-I-L-I-B-A-H-U. Yeah. Just check out his back catalog. Uh, he's also featured in uh, that Doomed uh, documentary about the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Um, that's just that was just a great documentary. I had a lot of fun with that. Definitely. Um, and of course, Oli was in that too. Our good Ol- friend Oli from our last interview. <laughs> um, Oli is a ray of sunshine in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> babe. Um, yeah. You know everything i learned from movies that's our podcast yeah uh we have a couple wonderful sponsors though right we do so uh if you were looking for some fun movie themed art enamel pins buttons all sorts of fun things you can buy oh and paracord of course of course handmade by the lovely steve with a little bit of himself in each and every piece (laughs) so you gotta stop telling them that they (laughs) they get weird ideas when you say stuff like that (laughs) 
weird. Anyway, you can find all of that over at untidyvenus.etsy.com. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping.etsy.com. And if you use promo code EILFM, you get a discount that I completely forget what it is, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Put, it in, put it in, you'll find out. I don't know. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> we also are sponsored today by Frankie and Murr. They do aromatherapy, aromatherapy made fun. Anyway, everything over there is made with uh, real essential oils. They have stuff to calm you down, help you focus, help you sleep, all kinds of fun things. They have monster spray if you've got little ones. The Monster Masher is safety is around little ones. Helps promote... Uh, positive dreams and also gets rid of monsters under the bed chupacabras the whole nine yards oh wow excellent yeah. multi-use mandarin too it smells so fantastic yes. one of steve's favorites is the uh spray the bitch away <laughs> it's our uh P- the pms and hormonal spray yes I, I just want to clarify it helps with the pms and hormones it doesn't it's not like you know you spray it and they'll like leave the room it, it helps them calm yeah. i mean i still live here yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i found that one out the hard way but it also turned out to be a good way yeah it also just smells fantastic right absolutely I mean, you always yeah. comment when i spray it around it's true. anyway if you use promo code untidy uh at checkout then you will get 15 percent off your entire order nice. and orders over 35 ship free Oh well, shit. So I know some of you out there have already used it, and thank you so much. Yes, it's so awesome. We we really appreciate it. And of course, for us, you can find us at E I L F Movies. That's everything I learned from movies on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're also on Patreon too, if you want to throw a few shekels our way and uh, help us. Well help us give you more bonus content we have patreon exclusive episodes uh, early access especially on these interviews they're usually like a month in advance because <laughs> you know we like to spread them out a little bit they come in bunches uh but we always put them right up on patreon as soon as they're ready yeah so uh i guess until next time i'm steve and i'm izzy and this is everything, everything i learned from movies. movies have a good night everybody night everybody you want to know how it works right Thousands of demons. They possess me. Turn me into this. One demon is pretty damn evil. Yeah, you think? They don't get to call the shots. I do. How much willpower does that take? You know exactly how much it takes. So if they change you this much... Think of it this way. Everyone has a dark side. You work across it, you understand that it's sin. Some just call it evil. For me, it's a little more literal, sure, but it's its all now you acknowledge it and don't let it control you. So if you're so good, how come you can't look at a cross? Some sort of biochemical reaction that... No, gee, I don't know. I think I just told you something about demons. They just can't take it. They're the problem, not me. Yeah, but they give you all that strength. Yeah. And I'm not gonna let it go to waste. If I can make them all my bitch, I'll use this power for truth justice in the american way you're a demon possessed vampire it's my duty to take you out i'll tell you what you stop sending i'll let you take me out how's that fight me is that a sin